Welcome in to the Unnamed MMA Podcast. I'm Adam Abdallah. Across from me, as always, is Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter at WoodonESPN1000. Get all of his picks at FatJackSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. The UFC is back, and so are we. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? I was in Florida. I think we talked about this last mm-hmm. week on the podcast. It was great. Always loved Thanksgiving, family, football, friends, drinking, had a football game. I was the MVP, a couple of interceptions, not thrown, I, I made, also a <laughs> touchdown, a lot of well, food. When you're, when you're playing against uh, seven and eight-year-olds, Jordan, it's There not weren't really any fair. children okay. playing. There were, I mean, my, my wife was playing, you know, my cousin mm-hmm. was playing, my brother-in-law with All a right. bum ankle. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was dominating. And look, I, I know people were wait, waiting with bated breath, of course, I did have Thanksgiving food. Oh. It was fine. Oh. It's, you know, <laughs> breaking it's our news, news, yeah, our break, news, the news dog. dog. The news dog. Yeah, I had the turkey turk, you know, had the stuffing, had the potatoes, had the corn pudding souffle, had plenty of desserts. It was fine. I did it once and I was happy. And then I moved on to other things the rest of the week. To pizza. To pizza, yeah. chicken parm, all subs. Right. That's works. Cheese, crackers, sausage, you know, what have you. Salami. Okay. It's all good. All right. How was yours, though? Because, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Uh, you know, turkey was excellent as always. My mom makes a great turkey. Um, you know, it was great. Family was in town. My in-laws were in town. Everybody wants to see the baby. Everyone wants to see the baby. Everybody wants to see the baby. So it was a lot of baby time. A lot of people want to see the baby. Sister came in town with her husband. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to see the baby. So it was great. It lived up to the hype. Yeah, that was it. I mean, we watched football and, and so other Won pe- some bets because of Fat Jack. Of course. And other people watched my baby, which was great. Yeah, also. you just handed off. Yeah, I had a nice little uh, couple-hour vacation. <laughs> so I could drink a little more, which exactly. worked out. Which exactly. Worked out. Yeah, but then, then I came back to, you know, this, this crap, well, uh, yeah. weather-wise... Which uh, which sucked, but yeah. other than that, whatever you know, it's fine. The only yeah. thing I guess, the only thing that I would take back is I didn't play any golf. Didn't really have oh, time to play golf. There. Didn't play golf. Beach couple of days, pool almost every day. Just didn't play golf. See, I would trade in the beach or the pool to play around a golf. I would have been like, guys, not for me today. You guys go to the beach. I'll see you in four let, hours. Yeah, let me have my four hours yeah. to go out and play. I'll see you in four hours. Yeah, just That's couldn't just couldn't put it together. That's so I fine. know you're disappointed. I am a little. It is yeah. a life goal for the next time we make the trek down the. Floor. All right, there you go. Can all I right. ask real quick yes, before we get to the fight card? Of what course. happened last night? I was touting you all over the office. Oh. You were gonna, your barrel was going to be the Some winner, back to back champs. Yeah. So we were out at few uh, at Binnie's uh, with few whiskey, and uh, it's our now annual. Uh, barrel picking challenge between the shows and uh, a couple of our your fine uh, sales teammates here, our fine sales teammates here at the station, and uh, the the folks at Binnie's who do this for a living, they pick barrels for a living, and then they you know designate the the Binnie's picks right uh, of various uh, whiskeys, and this is this was few bourbon uh, that we did this with, and so. Yeah, last year uh, we came, technically we came in second, but we were first among the shows. Myself and Chris Black, we went up against, you know, the sales guys, and then we went up against Carmen Yurko, uh, Captain J. Hood, Waddle and Sylvie, and the Binnies guys. Last year the Binnies guys came in first, okay? We came in second. To me, that's like playing in a scramble and coming in second, as we were talking golf, coming in second to a team of Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Rory McIlroy yeah. and like John Rahm, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to beat, four, yeah. Right. Like we're not the going to beat them, yeah. right? So we came in first, 
among the shows and in our hearts and in our minds. <laughs> yeah. You're the winners. Yeah, we the won. Champs. We won. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, we didn't come in first. We didn't come in last. We were like third from last. Right, middle of the pack. We were middle of the pack. We beat Carmen and Yurko, though. Okay. So that's a win in that's my mind. That's a win for you guys. It's a win sure. in my mind. Uh, the sales team won. Again. Again. Okay. So they, well, no, they won uh, two years ago and then this year. So no three Pete. Are you going to be featured at any Binnies? Yeah, like, we okay, are. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to see your and Black's face yeah. no, on it's a not bottle a face. of you. It's the show logo. Fine. Show just, logo. Just still yeah. just as good. So if you go to your local uh, Binnies Beverage Depot, um, mostly in the city, but if you call your Binnies, if you're in the suburbs and they don't have it, and let's say you want the Carmen and Yurko bottle or you want the, the Cap and J-Hood bottle or the Waddle and Sylvie bottle, they will have it shipped from another store at no cost to that Binnies for you. So let's say you know someone that's a big fan of Waddle and Sylvia or a big fan of Black and Abdallah or a big fan of the sales guys, that if you want to pick or you want the Binnies bottle, the one that they hand select, uh, they came in last, by the way. The Binnies guys came in last. Uh, Carmen and Yurko came in second to last, and we came in third to last. So uh, I liked our bottle. I felt like it was the most approachable. Everybody said, Carmen and Yurko and the Binnies guys said that their our bottle was their if they could have, if they could have picked because we picked in a certain order, yeah, uh, they would have picked our barrel. Now there was some controversy because Carmen was once again a little overserved, and so the bottles were in paper bags, right, and listed in numbers. So it was numbers one through six, right, and so when they delivered the results to Carmen, they listed the bottles one through six. And the name, but then at the end of the name was the place that they received. Right. So Waddle and Sylvie were listed one, Waddle and Sylvie two. Right. Okay. So he read it as if Waddle and Sylvie won, won. the whole thing. Yeah. And it was a very Steve Harvey moment, but because he was told this beforehand. Right. He was told Waddle and Sylvie didn't win. Sales guys won. Waddle and Sylvie came in second. And then the whole order, it was all right there. And he goes, and the winners are. I've got. A, there's video of it on our uh, on our Twitter page. I think page. yeah, I saw yeah. you posted about it uh, yeah. last night or this morning. So Waddle and Sylvie think they win. They come up. They've got the trophy. They're singing "We Are the Champions." They're mfing everybody left and right who thought that they didn't know anything about whiskey. And then the fine folks. What was the country that, that Steve Harvey announced? Uh, well, no, because it was. I forget what the country was, but it was also happened at the Oscars too with okay. Moonlight and uh, La La Land. Yeah, that's right. Everyone thought La La Land won, and they're like, stop. We didn't win. Yeah. Moonlight, Moonlight won. <laughs> it's on the card. And so it was like that because, and everyone was like, oh, you were robbed. It's like, no, you. they weren't robbed. They were punked. Right. But it wasn't intentional. Carmen had the best of intentions. And he just, let's just remain, he's got the best palate. Let's yeah. leave it. Does let's he? Leave, let's leave Does it. Does he? They have, they've never won. <laughs> Does he? Does he? Wait, or is this it, all? Is this all a facade? Well, it might he's be all a facade. A, he says that I, he tastes vanilla and mint and, and, and chocolate, and like leather. licorice. Like I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I watched one of this guy's Whiskey Wednesdays video once, and he's like, "Ooh, it's got a hint of old leather." And I go, "You can get the fuck out right <laughs> yeah, out, okay? What are you, you can get about? out of here with this. You're just bullshitting all <laughs> hey, of us." Old right? leather. Speaking of old leather, great transition to Clay Guida. Speaking <laughs> of old leather, Clay Guida's fighting <laughs> there again. We go. I believe. Okay, so we had we had a little bit of a debate on FanDuel. It's listed on the main card page. It's now listed on the Wikipedia main card page as well. Okay, and it's on ESPN.com's main card page. So kicking off the main card is 41-year-old... Clay the Carpenter. Clay the Carpenter, Chicago's very own Clay Guida, 
He is plus 250, the undergone, underdog, sorry, against uh, Joaquim Silva, who's uh, minus 340 here, the favorite. And if you remember last time that uh, Clay Guida fought, he went to take the gloves off. And we were all like, oh, here it comes. The Carpenter's putting down the hammer. Like, this is going to be it. Yeah. And then he was just like, no, nah, my, my hands are sweaty. My hands like, are sweaty. <laughs> he, he didn't retire. Obviously, he didn't retire. Yeah, yeah. He's still fighting. Well, we talked about UFC 300 on last week's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he could likely be a fighter that's competing or is going to try and compete on that April fight card because he's been in the UFC forever. So it would shock me that that retirement would be on the mind of Clay the Carpenter Guida, especially for this type of fight, even though it is in front of a live crowd at UFC Austin. So they'll be lively for him. And every time that he's in a fight, it's entertaining. And look, at the end of the day, Clay Guida now at 41 years of age, what he brings to the cage is his aggression, his cardio for days. He's got good wrestling. He is a tough out, but he has been finished in a couple of his mm-hmm. most recent fights after going a, a long time in his career with the you know the inability to, to, to get finished. Uh, and against Silva, Silva's a guy that, that's well-rounded, but is coming off of three of his last uh, you know four fights have been losses. They've all been knockouts. Uh, against heavier hitters, you know, Clay, Clay Guida doesn't have power punches anymore. Mm-hmm. He can tag you up for sure, but he's not going to be in the same conversation as, as Sarukian, who we'll get to a little bit later on. That's one of the losses for Silva or, uh, you know, a, a Ricky Glenn, a, 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 a Pichel, those guys that have had victories over Silva. So are you, first off, okay, just backtrack here. The line is out of whack. Okay, the line is out of whack. Clay the Carpenter Guida should not be uh, as big of an underdog as he's featured. So right off the bat, yeah. I'm saying you, at plus 230, you play Clay the Carpenter Guida. You do, because just you know what he's going to bring. You know what he's going to do. And perhaps his in-your-face pressure, his cardio that's going to be very strong is going to get in the face uh, of Silva and cause him frustration. Is he going to be able to control him? Because Silva's been a guy that has been taken down, and when he's been taken down, he has been controlled at times. So can Clay Guida, you know, garner up points, get the crowd reacting, live crowd? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's going he's gonna to be the fan favorite coming sure. into that fight. And look at it, too, like Sarukian, you know, powerful wrestler, Ricky Glenn, you know, even though it was a quick knockout of 37 seconds, you know, he is a wrestler that has strong cardio. Pichel, another guy, strong cardio with with with, with the kickboxing background. So I, I like the matchup. I always like Clay Guida, especially at plus money, and I'm yeah. gonna play him at this at this level. All right. I like it. I'm not even I mean I could go value hunting here. Guida by points, plus five fifty, Guida by knockout, plus seven fifty, Guida by submission, eleven to one. Silva by knockout plus two ten. Silva by points plus two fifty. Silva by submission plus three eighty. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think I think if you need to add value to it, you do Guida via decision. I know that. Look, uh, the last three of the four losses that Silva has had have come by knockout. All three of those those finishes that I mentioned, three of the last four fights have all come via finish. But just again, Clay Guida is not a knockout artist. He's not a power puncher. He's a guy that's going to look to maybe land something with a strike and then get the takedown control. So if you need to add three more dollars to that, that. Yeah. 
plus money. You don't, but if you do, yeah, you take Clay Guida via decision. Just play, take the plus 240 on FanDuel right now and call it a day. Our next fight should be a great one here. At least the odds dictate that. Kevin Gaslam is coming back to the welterweight division for the first time in over seven years. Sean Brady hasn't fought in over a year. He's minus 120. The favorite, Kevin Gaslam, is minus 105. This is pretty even as far as, as a UFC fight as you're going to get. What do you think of this one? Is it? Do you think it's as even as the odds dictate? Uh, I, I think it is. And, and here, the next three fights that we're going to talk about, you're going to have to wait to fire off on this play until the weigh-ins on Friday. We're recording right, this here on yep. Thursday. It's a Thursday. Okay, because Calvin Gaston, was, as you just alluded to, he's making the jump back down to 170 after having a long-standing career at 185, fought for the title, had an unbelievable. Go back. If you need a great fight to go watch, you need to kill some time. Go watch the fight, Calvin Gaston versus Israel Adesanya for the UFC Middleweight Championship of the World. That fight was fucking awesome. Calvin Gaston always brings it, always brings great pressure, good takedowns. He's got powerful striking. The question is, and the reason he went up originally to 185 is because he couldn't make the welterweight limit. So now he's coming back down to welterweight. He's got a new nutritionist. He's got a new diet. Everything that I've seen on social media and everything up in fight week, Calvin Gastelum looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. He looks to be in fantastic shape and is going to make another run, potentially at a championship. And he is a handful, no matter what weight class he fights at. Always been the underdog. He was the underdog when he competed on the Ultimate Fighter. And he looks extremely motivated. But you have to wait and see if he's going to be able to make that cut to 170 pounds. If he does, if he's one of the first guys to the scale, I think you fire off on Calvin Gaston right away. Sean Brady, he's coming off of that loss. and pretty A shocking loss in the way that was happening. We're talking about our boy, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad stopped yep. that freight train uh, and, and, and stopped him. You know, Didn't mm-hmm. control him like we thought Bilal Muhammad would in a three-round fight. So how does Sean Brady come back off of that Going to face, face a guy, similarly, a guy with power in his hands. It's going to be looking for pressure, looking for takedowns. And Sean Brady also is a guy that has some, some nasal issues. He has some breathing issues. So he's not a guy, confidently, that I could say can go hard for three rounds. Uh, Calvin Gaslam certainly can. We know he can go hard for five rounds. We've seen him in those championship-level fights. So for me, it is wait and see. I liked Calvin Gaslam at plus money earlier on in the week. People caught wind of it. They saw what he was looking like come, come you know, preparation for 170. I think Calvin Gaslam at probably at plus money, maybe at a dollar five. I'll take it, is definitely worth a look against Sean Brady. All right, but we're going to wait and see. But if you look for some value, Sean Brady by points at plus 260. Gaslam by points at plus 280. Gaslam by knockout is plus 310. Brady by submission is plus 340, and the rest are ridiculous. Yeah, the rest yeah. are ridiculous. And, you know, look, look, Sean Brady might bounce back. You know, it's always interesting to see how a fighter reacts after yeah, he the first time. Over a year, he hasn't like fought this. over a year. But, look, I mean, he he, he, he was a big-time prospect. 15, you don't go 15-0 just because you, you, you can go 15-0. Mm-hmm. Like, he did it against Michael Chiesa and Jake Matthews and, uh, you know, Court McGee. So, guys that have been to the UFC, you know, staples of the UFC. But I, I like the look of Calvin Gaston, the, and particularly the matchup, too. Just stylistically, I think the matchup favors a guy like Calvin Gaston in this fight. So this is this next fight is another wait and see for you then because you've got uh, flyweight Devison Figueredo going to bantamweight then too right so exactly got to wait and see you know again it's a, it's a little bit of a different kind of uh, you know 
uh, structure, if you will, because he's going up in weight. He's always been a big flyweight, having to make that drastic cut. Finally, he's fighting somebody outside of Brandon Moreno. The last know, four right? times he fought, he <laughs> fought Brandon Moreno. Uh, and look, Devinson Figueroa, former champion, power, finisher, really strong. The interesting thing for him is, like, he bullied people at flyweight. He was a mm -hmm. massive flyweight. He bullied Joseph Benavides. He bullied Brandon Moreno. He's not going to have that same luxury against a guy in Rob Font, who's also a very big bantamweight. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a guy that makes a very you know tough weight cut and a guy that is one of the best boxers, not just in the bantamweight division, but in the UFC entirely. Rob Font looked great. His, uh, you know, two fights ago, he looked good against a Adrian Yanez, but then Corey Sanhagen was able to control him for a five-round fight, take him down, and that's where I have some some question marks about Rob Font. He's been dropped five times, I think, in his UFC career. Devinson Figueroa's going to have power at 135. He had it, at, obviously, at 125. He's going to have power at 135. I think there's a little bit of a disrespect factor with Figueroa being the, uh, the, the underdog here at the price that he's at, but I think, again, it's the question mark. Can Figueroa do the same things he can a little bit now up in age going up to the Bantamweight division? Uh, but I think stylistically, a guy that's going to be in Rob Font's face, probably going to get into a striking matchup. And in that back pocket, just like Corey Sanhagen had the ability to take the fights to the ground. So I think Figueroa, if you're playing this fight, you're playing the former champion at flyweight in Devison Figueroa. Ooh, so plus money again. The dogs are barking for us today. Not the news dog, the other dog. We quiet down. Do you have a dog? We don't have a dog for a dog. We don't have an underdog. No, we don't. We have uh we used to do this old upset alert on uh on college tailgate. That was our upset alert. It was like, "Oh, what was that?" Oh, okay. Something that gets your attention real quick. But no, this is I'll our news it. doc. I'll um, take it. All right, so that's our news doc. But Devison Figueredo at plus 110 right now. Rob Font by points is plus 195. Font by knockout is plus 330. Figueredo by points is plus 370. Figueredo by knockout, plus 550. But you mentioned maybe Figueredo by submission at plus 550. Yeah, I, I think that that's certainly something that could be considered. You know, it's maybe, a, you know, Figueredo lands something and then be able to snatch up an arm, snatch up a rear naked choke. Rob Font has been taken down. And I think also looking at the under a two and a half, it's probably juiced heavily to the over, but still I think we're getting a finish in this fight. Both guys going to have to look to make a statement. Rob Font needs a win. He can do so against a former champion or Debison Figueredo throws himself right into the mix at 135 with a splash and a victory and a, particularly a stoppage over Rob Font. Our next fight, the odds are not as great. Jalen Turner is minus 250, 220 now. This has changed. Minus 220, and Bobby Green is plus 170. Uh, Jalen Turner, somewhat short notice. Dan Hooker was supposed to be in this fight, and uh, Jalen Turner uh, decided to uh, you know come in and fight and, and fight Bobby Green. Uh, so this should be a decent fight, though, despite the odds. Like yeah, both it, these guys are great fighters. This should be an entertaining fight. I'm happy that it's the co-main event. I'm happy they kept Bobby Green on the card. He was originally supposed to fight Dan Hooker, the guy that just defeated Jalen Turner uh, via split decision. How is Jalen Turner going to make 155 on short notice when he's missed it several times after Thanksgiving? after Thanksgiving <laughs> for, for full fight camp week. So I remember when I wrestled in uh, high school, I wrestled for two years in high school and they would, they'd give you like a, like on a Saturday, you'd have like a Friday night meet and it'd be a strict, st strict weight cut. Right. 
So your weight class was pretty strict, sometimes a half a pound allowance. But on Saturdays, you get like a pound allowance or a two-pound allowance. And always the Friday and Saturday tournament. There was always a Friday and Saturday tournament after Thanksgiving, and you got like a three-pound allowance. <laughs> it was amazing. Like we were like yeah. you had dudes wrestling out of their weight class just because they're like, I can, I don't know what to do. Right. So I'm wondering the UFC doesn't do that, but this should be an interesting weight cut for Jalen Turner. Yeah, yeah. I, so he's also a very much a wait and see approach with with how he's gonna look on the scale if he's able to make the weight cut. If if he does and he does it successfully, uh, he's going to have the type of fight that he wants, a stand-up fight, you know, a, f- a fight where he's going to be able to use his unbelievable power, uh, his length, his athleticism against a, a guy in Bobby Green who, you know, like he could either look fantastic like he did against Grant Dawson uh, or he could be completely overwhelmed, you know, like he did against Islam Makachev. Uh, but, you know, Bobby Green is a fantastic fighter. Where's his mind? Because I don't know if you saw the news, he got into an altercation with Armin Sarukian and his fight camp uh, during fight week at the hotel. A couple of guys had to be refrained from going after each other. Bobby Green not happy, wants a shot at Armin Sarukian, likely next. He could probably get it if he gets a win over Jalen Turner. My, my concern is, is that, like, Turner thumps and thumps pretty hard. And even though Bobby Green, you know, does not get knocked out, we have seen him before get knocked out well back when against way back when against Dustin Poirier. Um, so I, I, I agree with the odds on, on Turner being the favorite. He's I think he's the better fighter, the more talented fighter, has more upside to his career. But I just can't make a play on this fight because uh, of the uncertainty surrounding Turner, how his uh, weight cut is going, and what he's going to look like on the scales tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. So again, he's short notice but he's a 220 favorite right now. Turner by points is plus 260. Turner by knockout is plus 280. Bobby Green by points is plus 380. Turner by submission is plus 400. And Green by knockout is plus 500. Yeah, So, and I just want to correct myself. So the last two losses that Bobby Green has had have been by stoppage, been by strikes. Uh, prior to that, uh, his chin had held up. He's a very slick boxer. He's going to be able to move in and out of the way. This is a three-round fight. Very interested to see what, what happens. But again, it's a wait and see for me with this fight. So our main event coming up here, like we just you mentioned a little bit ago, Dariush against Armin Sarukian. Dariush, uh, last time we saw him, he lost to Charles Oliveira at UFC 289 back in June. But he had won eight straight leading up to that. He is plus 230 right now, the underdog to Sarukian, who is minus th- up to minus 310. I looked a couple days ago. This was in like the 280 range, minus 280. So now all the way up to to minus 310, do you think that that's worthy of Sarukin being that big of a favorite? I, I don't. I think the odds are a little bit out of whack for this fight card, uh, you know, fight as as well. Um, the interesting thing that I learned in, in preparation for, for for handicapping this fight is Benito Tariush has never been in a main event. And mm. I find that shocking, like, like how, you know, upper tier he's been in the lightweight division and the number of high-profile fights he's had. He's never had to prepare for a five-round fight. So the first question you have to ask it, you know, at 35 years of age, but Benil Dariush looks like he's 45, but he's probably like around 40 in fight years. Mm-hmm. Um, can he go hard for five rounds? Um, he thumps. He's got very underrated striking and, and power in his hands, mm-hmm. and he's a wizard on the ground. Armin Sarukian, uh, I think, is a, is a guy that likes to control people on the ground. He's got some thumping power as well. He'll be strong immediately out, out of the gates. But this is a step up in competition for you know Armin Sarukian. He's definitely been in there with, with some of the best. He was in there on short notice with Islam Makachev and went three rounds with him. Uh, he lost to, to Gamrot in, in a high-profile main event, went back down to a couple of fighters that he, that he should have won. But 
I'll be very interested to see if Sarukian, who, if he's not successful early with Benio Dariush and the striking uh, and the takedowns, is he going to be uh, is he going to be uh, concerned? Is he going to have to go to a plan B or C? And when he does that, is his leaky defense going to be exposed, which he has, or? If he's going to look to take this fight to the ground, is he going to be able to control a guy that is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and, like I said, a wizard on the ground and very comfortable? Not necessarily a guy that's going to attempt submissions like Charles Oliveira does, but a guy that's going to be very uh, uh, the, uh, the ability to get out of precarious positions and get back to his feet. So... Um, I think if you're concerned about Darius, okay, is, have we seen the, the, the – is he washed? Is he done? And Dean Thomas, well-respected you know, contributor, mixed martial arts, friend of me, friend yeah. of the show, uh, he believes Darius is washed. Okay. He talked about this. He wrote an article on ESPN.com that he thinks because of the Alvera result and the way uh, he performed, that Darius now is kind of on his way out. This will be the test to see if it is. Is Sarukian the next guy at 28, or has Darius still got the, the ability? At the odds it currently is right now, I'm going to play Benil Dariush. I am. I like him at plus Ooh. money. I think, you know, matchup. And I, look, I would not be surprised if we see something similar happen to Benil Dariush uh, like we saw him uh, you know, lose to Alexander Hernandez uh, way back when in 2018. Alexander Hernandez came out of the scene, knocked him out in 42 seconds. But after that fight, Dariush won eight fights in a row. Uh, so yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I think that Dariush is the play. And I think the under is also the play. Okay. People, people are on both sides of that thing, and they cancel each other out. We're going to go into the championship rounds. I think the under at three and a half, thinking that uh, Sarukin's going to get him out of there early or Darius is going to survive that early wave and get something going in the second or third round is the play to make. All right, so uh, that plus 230 for Dariush, I don't even need to know if we need to go value hunting, but we will for continuity's sake. Sarukian by knockout of plus 145. Sarukian by points, plus 210. Dariush by points, plus 550. Dariush by knockout, plus 700. And the rest are crazy. The plus 700 one is interesting because Dariush thumps and Sarukian has that leaky defense. If not, I think you know the first two on Sarukian probably the way to go. I understand why he's the favorite. I don't think you could play him at, at, at minus 230, so maybe you, you hedge a little bit with, with one of those uh, those values. Does Dariush not recover the, the same because uh, you know he's coming off of that knockout loss to, to Charles Oliveira? All right, so our picks for this UFC fight night that features Benil Dariush and Armin Sarukian as the main event is to take Dariush at plus 230, uh, Figueredo at plus 110 with a little bit of sprinkle on uh, by submission at plus 550, uh, Gaslam at minus 105, but wait until the uh, weigh-ins on Friday. We're recording this on a Thursday. And then Chicago's very own Clay Guida, the carpenter, at plus 240. How can you not sprinkle a little money on you know a guy that's from here and a guy that's fought in 1,000 fights and... And uh, we may be seeing one of his last fights here, uh, if not the last one, unless he gets one at UFC 300. Well, it's him. Jim Miller's got to be on that yeah. card as well. I mean, there's a couple of staples. There's going to be a bunch of UFC. old dudes out there. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to be. And yeah. then hopefully a, a, a fight of this. Didn't uh, Dana White tease something that's like a fight of the he century? He said that there's a, a massive fight, fight that he's a, the super fight that he's <laughs> ready to announce. But he says, and it says, uh, it says it does it's not, not Conor involve McGregor. Conor McGregor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we will be back next week for another UFC fight night as we lead you into the final UFC event of the year, December 16th. It is Colby Covington, gross, against Leon Edwards. I hope Colby Covington gets his ass kicked. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody does. Yeah. Is there any Colby Covington fan besides Colby Covington? 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There isn't. There isn't. Uh, so he's Jordan Sherwood. Get all of his picks, the ones we gave out, and more at FatJackSports.com. FatJack has been on fire. He was great during Thanksgiving. He was good all weekend. Basketball's on fire. You can hear him tonight, if you're listening to this right now, uh, every Thursday night with Bleck and Abdallah, myself and Chris Bleck, weeknights 6 to 8. You can follow Jordan on Twitter at Wood on ESPN 1000. I'm Adam Abdallah. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. And we will talk to you next week for another episode of the Unnamed MMA podcast. Thanks for listening.